Hello and welcome to this episode of Hacker Public Radio. My name is Dudman. I have a little podcast on technology over at dudmanovi.cz where I talk about technology. But one of my big pet interests is animal husbandry, feeding my family, kind of a self-sufficiency. I love playing about with gadgets and doodads, um, Arduino, Arch Linux, distros, you know, I love gadgets, I can't put them down, but the, the point of my podcast is to be, to be interested in all technologies, not just modern ones. And, uh, if you've listened, uh, I did an episode on hacking and programming recently. Um, but trying to stretch out the appeal to, um, beyond just say one particular programming language, but applying it to our whole life. And in this episode, I would like to bring to you a subject very close and dear to me and my family, which is food. What is healthy food and what should we eat to be healthy? Now, um, I know uh, it's something we've been studying and doing in, very, in a very practical sense for the last 10 years. Um, the book I'm going to mention now, the original one is called Western A. Price, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. And I'm going to describe a little bit about it, but um, it's a wonderful book. I'll write some notes and uh, you can find the descriptions in the show notes. But, you know, there there are different schools of thoughts. You know, um, if you're a vegetarian, a vegan, uh, there's so many different diets and fads. And um, I'm, with my wife, kind of the person who is eternally trying to stay open-minded and, and look into every aspect. There was a point in our lives where we were t- dabbling with vegetarianism and uh, macrobiotics and, be- and being interested in some of these things. Um, but we didn't find anything else which was which was as sensibly written and uh, logical as what I'm going to try to describe to you now. So um, if you are a vegetarian or, or you're... Um, that way inclined. Um, if you just keep a mo- an open mind, and uh, I'm not trying to convert anybody here, but um, I think it is important to to mention some of these things and to kind of start a dialogue or a conversation and and mention some alternative thought which which isn't in the mainstream at all. But um, if you are able to look at a few of these men- websites, I'm going to mention then uh, you might be fascinated by some of the research and the the, the evidence to uh, back up what I'm going to talk about. So basically, I guess I should say, you know, if you enjoy butter and cream and full-fat milk and, you know, fat on your meat and, uh, you know, good old-fashioned foods, well... And bacon, you know, I hear some uh, um, Linuxy type uh, tech podcast people talking about bacon. You know who I'm talking about door to door, and other people. You know, I love bacon as well, and um, I want to give you a way to to actually allow yourself to eat these things because they are actually very important. But like many things, you know, there's an element of truth in in everything. You know, everything sometimes it, there's kind of half truth and. You know, it is true that the milk today is unhealthy and that's it's connected with the way it's produced and that the way the animals are grown and the way it's produced and, you know, it's pasteurized and homogenized and the, the cows aren't given proper food and it's not even the correct type of cow, you know. But if we fix those things and return back to how cows were kept 100, 200 years ago, 
um, or how we keep our cows today, because we have a few in our shed outside and in the meadows in the summer, just for our own personal personal uh, satisfaction <laughs> when we drink our lovely cold milk full of cream. And I can see the beautiful rosy faces of my children. But if 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 we talk about foods and and know the difference that it's, we're not talking about industrial um, meats here, we're not in, talking about industrially processed uh, uh, milks, you know. So if I'm talking about these kinds of foods which are demonised now, um, I'm not talking about the way they the way they are produced nowadays, but the way that they should be produced on a small scale and to a much higher quality. But um, you know, there's a there's lots of uh, talk about um, cholesterol and low fat diets, and you know, rather having um, vegetable oils instead of the the old traditional saturated fats, lard and butter. Unfortunately, um, if you spend any time now looking into some of these this evidence, I'm going to try and describe to you now. It's all a great big myth. Um, this 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 information that's being pushed out to the mainstream media and um, the mainstream people about what is healthy. Um, to be honest, if you listen to any dietary recommendations, you'd probably be a lot better off if you just ate the exact opposite. And um, the the obesity epidemic and many of those other things are more attributed to the high sugar diet and um, the high corn and grain diet and, and starchy breads and what have you, and then uh, fats. There is actually a wonderful book called, um, I think it's Eat Fat, Lose Fat. Um, basically the premise is you, you don't get fat by eating fatty things. You know, you get fat by eating um, nutrient um, nutrient undense, you know, um, food which isn't good for you because uh, something strange happens in your body and uh, your body's reaction is to actually cling on to, to all the energy which goes into your body and, and not um, process, it, process and burn it at all um, and that is how you get fat and this is contrary possibly to anything you've heard before but that is my job is to, uh, to mention something uh, perhaps a little radical and a, perhaps a little unusual to uh, poke you all in the ribs a little bit and, and get us all to think. But the subject I really want to talk about and describe briefly now is the book called uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Western A. Price. And Western was a dentist, a, a very successful dentist in the US um, in the 1920s and 30s, I believe. And um, I'm eternally grateful to him because... He uh, he did what isn't done now very often, it seems to me, by scientists. He did a truly scientific piece of work which uh, are helping thousands and thousands of people now. And um, he went and he found healthy people um, which were in isolated communities which hadn't yet been touched by modern civilization, by the civilized foods like white sugar and uh, processed white breads and the canned goods and uh, and of course the lifestyle which went with that. Um, but they because usually because of uh, geological location they were isolated. You know there was one uh, Austrian or Swiss group I think community and they were down in a valley and it was inaccessible only by foot in the summer you know so the whole of the year except you know good weather in the summer 
it was inaccessible so they had to be completely self-sufficient and uh, dependable upon themselves and they had been through generation after generation and you know they didn't have um tooth decay of course as weston his first concern was tooth so he took with him his entourage travel in those days wasn't as it is now you know you don't jump on a plane and a bus and and get driven into the place these places were inaccessible and i guess he planned for weeks or months how to get there which peoples to visit all this communication and collaboration to to to, to even meet these people and of course he didn't have an iphone or an slr camera to easily take pictures but he took thousands of of pictures in the old-fashioned way on these uh, glass sheets had them shipped back um, as well as taking uh, samples of the foods these people were eating so he could analyze them back in the labs later and i believe he visited um, about 14 or so um, isolated um, separated geographically around the world groups and uh, the things he noticed is they didn't eat all the same foods but what they did eat had a few things in common and um the, they ate nutrient dense food and uh, that wasn't and also they they processed the foods in specific ways um which we have especially in uh, modern modernized uh, processing plants and the way we we want to speed up the process now for our foods we have actually forgotten you know um, I'm quite lucky here in the Czech Republic because uh, some of this information, um, you know, is still kind of common knowledge and practiced, although it's, it's probably overwhelmed by the amount of alcohol and uh, sugar that is consumed here in the Czech Republic, unfortunately. Um, I believe in, in Europe, Czech Republic is the second only to uh, the United Kingdom for obesity rates and... Uh, and um, what's it called the um, the sugar defect that people have uh, uh, diabetes that's one anyway so he he visited those 14 groups and um, of course he discovered very few um, dental cavities in the young and the old um, you know people 90 years old or 100 with perfectly healthy teeth you know maybe damaged because they might have fallen over and bashed a tooth out occasionally or you know um but had very very few you know in the one or two percent dental cav cavities and uh they had dirty teeth because maybe their their food their uh, dental hygiene was low and they didn't it wasn't normal to be brushing all the time and keeping them clean because um it's actually a myth um the the damage to teeth i i'm understanding from all of this it doesn't occur um necessarily from the outside the the um the terrain exists because we don't have the correct food to keep our bones and our and our teeth and our hair and you know all of the parts of our body strong and that allow and then it creates a terrain where illness and cavities and then attack us from the outside um, it's really fascinating sometimes for my wife and I, you know, we, we study all this and then we, we listen to the advice that dentists give, you know, and there was, there was in the Czech Republic here on a website my wife found and it was, you know, a dentist's advice, um, how to look after your teeth. There was like 10 or 20 points and the 20th, you know, the lowest priority was, uh, mentioned of, um, you know, nutrient, you know, good food. But he didn't specify at all what that good food was. 
Well, anyway, I'm going to try here and mention the good nutrient-dense foods and uh, and then some of the foods which are problematic and we will probably want to avoid, just to give you an idea of uh, the kind of direction I'm going to go in. Um, then I thought I would mention the uh, the differences in the shapes of the people and, and the tendencies towards the, the way that the children will grow um, and then what happened... Um, to those, to the the children of of uh, just ten years after, they uh, those isolated groups of people changed their diets um, after they'd been penetrated by the uh, modernization. You know, the the roads had been built through to their previously um, independent and isolated communities, and they started trading. You know, trading their furs and whatever they they produced locally, and sometimes even their food. They 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 started to trade their good food for canned and uh, processed goods which were had been mass produced and as a result it was, it was quite shocking what happened to them to be honest but so the the, the good foods you know some of the things we we, we want to focus on as nutrient dense foods are you know um are you know milk butter fat but all of these all of these sources of food are from non-industrialized and uh, well cared for animals you know so um in a sense i believe and and empathize with a lot of the values that vegetarians have and the the sort of uh, disgust towards the way that a lot of farming or uh, animal husbandry practices are are carried out nowadays um so if i'm suggesting non-vegetarian type things it's with the understanding that that um, those practices are done in a humane and uh, a high quality way um, we personally keep uh, a few cows jersey cows very high fat high uh, high fat milk um, but only for our own consumption and we we do eat the uh, the bulls and the, the meat but uh, we don't keep them just for that you know i don't enjoy killing animals but I hope as you uh, listen in, listen on, that you'll you'll come to understand that for growing people and uh, for even aging or or for for adults wanting to conceive easily healthy children, then it is very important to have these nutrient dense foods. So <laughs> maybe I should have planned this all a little bit more and uh, really tried to make it a multi-part episode, but. That's not my way. I'm going to ramble a little bit, so uh, thank you for bearing with me. Some more of the foods, you know, often maligned nowadays are internal organs, you know, liver, kidneys, heart, the the blood of the animal, and uh, again, you know, we, we have been trained not to think about these things, but in the past, those, those parts of the animal, if, if an animal has to be butchered, um, were valued much more highly than just fat. And there's meat, sorry. Um, and talking about meat, it is actually, he found, Dr. Weston Price, that it was very important to have um, not lean meat, but very important to eat meat with the fat um, connected to it. Again, that's something else which is uh, much maligned nowadays. And um, it's often true that uh, to find the truth, if you simply follow the money, and, uh, you know, just think for yourself a little bit... Um, what is easier to produce and uh, mass process, you know, so that they can maximize the profit margins? Well, it's very difficult to mass produce healthy, fresh, you know, dairy and uh, high quality meat and, uh, you know, um, 
in, sanely and beautifully butchered with uh, compassion towards the animals it is not really conducive to <laughs> mass production you know um and of course these are probably influencing factors why um the information that's been told to us as to what is healthy has gone in the direction it has you know more towards um more easily available you know grains and uh, soya and re more vegetables and fruits unfortunately what western a price discovered is the the foods that we are now eating and are being told that are healthy to us nowadays these primitively you know I isolated peoples weren't eating you know so i carry on describing the things they were eating so it's butter milk you know animal saturated fats and plenty of them really much higher quantities than we'd ever consider at least in in these modern days but maybe we should reconsider that um internal organs you know liver kidneys brains eyes um is another thing um if you have weak and uh, and alien eyes you know the best way to get what your eye eyes need is to eat um and consume the the elements that are in eyes you know or brains you know and um a lot of these foods are considered to be kind of aphrodisiacs you know they they give us this potency and energy and there is a reason for that because you know they contain you know the, the sort of life giving for the next generation um i hope you understand what i mean there without being crude but um th these things are very true and this this nutrient dense food which gives us that vitality and i don't just mean in a sexual way but gives us that vitality and energy and passion for life those are the things that we should be consuming not the the food types which kind of slow us down and make us feel lethargic and keep us calm you know <laughs> so um that's an idea of some of the the foods um but there's also emphasis on how to prepare um bread properly for example you know there's a problem with high gluten in in bread and a lot of the old original grains um um what are they call there's a greenish grain here um rye that's the word i was looking for rye bread you know it was a and the, some of the old varieties of wheat as well but um they used to cook with uh, much lower gluten but of course you can't cook such fancy smooth kind of pastry pastries which are more sort of uh, uh sticky and uh sort of finer um if you use rye because it's it's basically the gluten which holds it all together i believe anyway um it's it's also in modern modern times you know we we're, we're told that you need to have whole wheat bread well if you've eaten any commercial whole wheat bread it's it can be quite difficult to digest and uh, and it needs to be processed properly and uh, steps in you know very simple old fashioned technology and it's called um sourdough and uh, you know if if you enjoy bread and uh, you're prepared to kind of <laughs> accept a different a different idea of what what it can taste like some older fashioned taste look up sourdough um it's amazingly simple to make all you need is uh best freshly ground um low gluten grains make your own flour of course make it whole wheat leave every bit in it and you just add water you know wait a few days let those natural bacteria come in and 
it's really not much more to making bread than just allowing the natural bacteria to come in, mixing the flour, getting, you know, a bit thicker, letting it rise, bunging it in the oven. You know, uh, before my wife took over the bread making about t five years ago, six years ago, I was making the family bread for a, a good few years before she really uh, took hold of this whole uh, food um, as I'm describing now and now she does a wonderful bread, a job of making bread for us um, also vegetables you know um, vegetables are healthy but we we do need to understand they aren't nutrient dense um, there might be some some elements in, in them if they are grown in really high quality um, you know uh, ground um, and they can be quite difficult to digest um, you know um, and Weston A. Price, he found that they were vegetables and a lot of grains. It's probably too much, not enough time now and too many details to go into, but they would be fermented. They would be um, sort of dry, that there were different ways of processing them in order to remove either like difficult to digest elements. You know, for example, beans, they need to be soaked in a certain way to remove um, indigestible elements which also make them not taste very nice you know um, and vegetables it's beneficial for many of the, many of them to actually be fermented and it actually makes them taste much better um, additionally a lot of this processing even my wife has been uh, discovering recently the processing of uh, meats um, not only did it allow those vegetables to be stored very easily for longer periods of times, but it meant that they were partially digested and more available and easier to digest, less of a burden on, on our digestive systems and our bodies, and all the goodness more available um, if they were processed in this way. And um, there was less need for fridges and refrigeration, so there really is a lot more to for example um smoking and um and uh curing meat than just for its um taste benefits you know my wife has recently uh, the last pig we killed she has been um curing in uh, vinegar for a few days and uh, different mixtures the uh, meat and when she cooks it it's just so quick to cook and it's so soft and tasty and juicy it's, it's amazing i can't believe all these years we've been having just you know uh you know un unsoaked un un uh, un um, processed uh, uh in vinegar uh, meat from for many animals you know it was so much nicer so hopefully i've i've mentioned just some of the foods which are mentioned in this book that the the people's ate but and of course the the things that they didn't eat were the highly processed foods uh, mostly containing um sodium which isn't really the the salt that people were eating in the days you know sodium is is just the the salt element uh, i'm not a, a chemist or anything but i understand it's it's devoid of the minerals you know and salt is actually um just like I said earlier, there is a half-truth that nowadays a high salt in our diet is bad for us. It is actually true. High sodium, which is the modernized, highly processed salt, just like processed sugar, is bad for us. What we really need is salt in our diet. It's very important, but we need a high mineral salt and unprocessed, processed in a, in a much more natural, soft way. So those minerals and elements which are very important for us aren't destroyed. Um, so we salt is good 
you know and um but we don't want the the bad highly processed salt with no with no minerals of course um sugar <laughs> white sugar have a look up uh, sugar blues and uh, what sugar does to our bodies you know uh, the strain it creates on the adrenal gland i believe that's the the gland and the sort of um, the escalating the ups and the downs have a search for sugar blues and the effects on on uh, on the cravings and the desires for for foods which contain sugar and salt you know uh, we don't have to think too much to try and understand why is sugar and salt being put to such large quantities in the highly processed foods because it is very addictive it creates this sort of rush of energy when we have it and then you know fairly shortly afterwards of consuming any of those foods we we sort of plummet down and this this continual for for a few years 20 years 10 years however long of upwards and downwards you know it creates a terrible strain on our bodies and our adrenal glands um and uh, you know if we let it go on unchecked it can, it can create more complicated problems but um, it creates an addiction, you know, because we're always craving. We're ne it never satisfies us, you know. So, um, and of course, high gluten, um, processed and low quality uh, bread. That's another. It's an anti-nutrient and um, and not conclusive, not conducive to uh, healthy people, you know. But now maybe you're asking, well, I'm making all these statements how do i know and how can you tell what is it doing to people you know what do what do people look like who've grown up on healthy food and what are the characteristics the the body shapes the the tendencies um in people who've had bad food well western a price he discovered this um uh, as well as having very very straight and strong and um well spaced teeth you know the the people he found had no need for for dental correction they had no need for um braces and or, or removing teeth and straightening them like even in his day in the US in the 20s and 30s he was that they were using um, braces i understand and uh, and the many people had uh, crowded teeth and uh, to be honest you know um it's very difficult nowadays even you know if if you, if i ask somebody you know why do people young children why aren't the teeth straight in our mouths why do we need at a certain age to remove a few teeth either side and then to put these metal constructions on and, and straighten them you know didn't god didn't nature whoever it is you know design human body just perfectly you know well, why doesn't it grow straight well western a price discovered and uh, proved and uh, recent people who have been um, practicing what he suggests have discovered in their own children that there have been no need for braces so a few of the practices well maybe i should carry on um describing the the shapes of people um so as well as having um, teeth which actually fitted in the mouths of these people in good condition so they didn't need braces to straighten them or anything like that um, low amounts of cavities he also found that people were generally shorter and broader with very fine figures you know the um, the um, 
the the men were short and stocky and stout and they they looked really capable and not necessarily because they were working terribly hard but they had that sort of ruggedness and strength and durability about them which which you don't often see in uh, modernized peoples I, i know it's possible to go to the gym and to to bulk ourselves up to look tough but that's that's not the kind of uh, toughness i'm talking about um it's even it's easy it's interesting you know even here in the czech republic um all the old people are extremely short you know um because of uh, socialism here they they had up to about 20 years ago before the uh, yes, capitalism was introduced in a rush um there was a lot the the foodstuffs were much higher quality you know the the modern ideas of what is healthy and what isn't healthy hadn't been introduced into the czech republic so they were eating lots of cream and and fat and butter and they were eating lots of those foods of course along with sugars and processed foods but um you know in the countryside where where those people had access they looked different to the people in the cities so they were shorter broader and the reason i mention this is because my my wife my czech wife's uh, grandparents you know she remembers how her her grandfather was so short and so broad you know and um he was sort of almost as broad as he was short but he wasn't necessarily strong or anything you know but he was just short and broad and uh, you can still see that as as you walk around and and see the old people especially in away from the big cities and in the countryside so Western A Price he discovered that the people in these primitive groups isolated societies and communities they were shorter broader um so so you know um we don't have to think too far but answer me this um when i was growing up um everybody else seemed to be taller than me you know my my parents and everybody seemed to think well why aren't why aren't i as tall as everybody else you know everyone else is shoot, shooting up but i'm not growing as quick as they are you know but it's actually a good thing you know it's actually good not to shoot up and be massively tall because um it's actually um a degenerative disease or a degenerative problem um connected with malnutrition and you know maybe your your eyes are going around in your head and you're thinking dude man what are you talking about this is absolute nonsense well um i ask you just to to study a little bit of this little book and the, the website westernaprice.org and uh, see for yourself if you have any interest or um if if you're at all intrigued by these things i'm mentioning you know <laughs> so there is a phenomenon now with uh, young people seemingly getting taller and taller as generation goes on and uh, westerna price discovered this and uh, noticed noticed it himself and uh, noticed it in um these same groups once they started eating different foods and uh made the connection um there's a phenomenon now that uh, often the youngest child in the family is the tallest and the the eldest first child is the shortest and uh, this is if you consider the uh, the nutrition that uh, the eldest son might have had um slightly better nutrition from his mother being the the, the first child and uh, progressively as the mother has a few more children and um often she would have um, the children too close to each other 
this is this is another idea I should quickly mention that um, before children were conceived in these societies, you know they would be a little bit strict. Um, there was nice examples in the the I think the the Austrian Alp villages that um, they would marriages weddings would occur in the late summer. And you know they were they knew why they had mar marriages in the late summers because the young children the young young people who were getting married they would have all season to have you know the best uh, milk and butter and cheese from the from the fast growing grass from their cows you know they'd have the all the energy and the, the life from that that spring and summer you know to to nourish their bodies so that once they got married of course. The first thing they're going to do, or one of the first things, is to go and start practicing creating children. And um, when you conceive children, they wanted to make sure that the young people, young people's bodies and sort of health had been pumped up by good food. There were other other societies who would deliberately, when when two people were going to conceive, before they would try and conceive, maybe six months beforehand, they would they would elect somebody in the tribe maybe two people to travel off every day and to get the right kind of food for both the man and the woman um, so that the, the eggs and the sperm and uh, everything would be at its fullest potential so they would be able to conceive easily and so all of the, the DNA and everything which is transferred during that phase is maintained and is in the highest quality um, so that the child would have the, the best start. Um, and grow well and and it's very beautiful and, and these things are ignored but nowadays in the main so they would also practice um, larger intervals between each child um, three or four years um, before in between conceiving each child and in some societies it was it was really frowned upon you know that you're, you're doing a disservice to your to your to the next child if you conceive him too too early you know because there isn't enough time for the mother to really recover all of her strength and you know it's it's really underestimated the amount it takes from um, from a mother be it a human mother or a or a bovine cow mother how much it takes to give birth you know you know um, maybe in animal husbandry uh, or any kind of animal breeding for pets or, or dogs, uh, maybe you keep dogs, that it is really important what you feed, you, you, your, your dogs or your cows or your sheep. And, of course, the same applies to your children, you know, but um, often in our stressful lives, um, we don't have time to even consider this, and we are actually told by the mainstream and our, our doctors that these things aren't important and we, we are led to believe that they will fix it all, you know. But um, unfortunately, uh, just like in, in hacking and, and Linux and computers, often it's better to rely upon yourself more and do everything you can and not reply, rely that someone else will do it for you, you know. So they would practice... Uh, um, larger intervals between conceiving children and some of these practices um, to maximize the the health of the next generation because uh, it's very important uh, especially if you don't have all the you know the industrial um, machines and, and everything to make life easy you need to make sure that everybody in the community in the society is is happy 
and healthy and and vibrant you know it's like the um, if the the weakest link in the chain is the one you know that the whole chain will break for any weakest link so uh, it's in all of our best interest to make sure that that everybody has the best potential you know and um and of course if you're isolated and you you all depend upon each other for survival through the long hard winters and you've got to harvest you know all your food and and make and, and do everything yourselves then you need to make sure you're strong and capable everybody is you know there's no no dead wood so um what other characteristics did these people have so they were shorter broader um they easily conceived um they had good teeth they uh, a lot of the, i mean they didn't need prisons they they didn't have crime or um or societal problems and that's probably a lot connected with um with uh you know everybody being very happy and and uh, satisfied because um you know it does make a difference what you eat if you eat if if your body is full you know you know the feeling if you're hungry you tend to be a bit irritable well if you just um extrapolate that a little bit more and say well if my body is hungry for the nu- nutrients that it, i had i didn't give it i what i ate just now my belly's full so i don't feel irritated like i would be if i wasn't hungry but my body is sort of crying out for the good food so maybe maybe my body's not able to to have patience in that situation or have perseverance you know so it really is a prerequisite to make sure that every function of our body is is you know given what it really needs to to function you know just like uh, if there's any part of our body which is uh, missing what it needs and that's that's a weak link in the chain and it's going to cause problems another thing i should quickly mention is uh, and it's, it was a little shocking after i finished reading this book and um i think it's uh, something that opened up my eyes very much is what what do the face what does the face of a of a healthy person look like and you know you can't change you know if if you've you know and all of these all of these discussions when i'm when i'm talking about you know um the shape of somebody or whether they're tall or short and that's a sign of degeneration or that's not good it's it's a sensitive thing and i really am not judging the the sort of spirit or the the good or badness of that person it's like um the first thing um a husbandman go looks at him when he's buying a horse should be you know the way he walks the the shape of his legs the the horse's legs and have a look inside and have a look at his teeth well i'm just trying to apply the same logic so at least we know what's going on i'm really you know don't want to cause any offense to this um i'm i'm not in perfect condition myself um i grew up in a in a town had bad food all my life um in uh, except the last 10 years where i've changed that myself after i known about these things and um i can definitely see the difference in my own children even compared to the shapes and the uh, the uh, disposition of the friends and family with similarly aged children or even my my brothers um uh, families and, and other situations and and even when i make these uh, these comparisons I, i don't mean to be cruel or uh, or pointing but just if if you're interested at all it's just as an example you know so uh, please don't be offended or or upset if i say these things but so 
the shape of people's faces, you know, um, as well as being shorter and broader, the shape of degeneration is shown in the shape of our face. Um, maybe we're aware of uh, the phenomenon of uh, nose breathers. This, this is a class of uh, people, uh, a category, and uh, maybe it the doctors seem to think it's genetic or it's it's something inherited because you know your father or your mother was also a nose breather and nose breathing just means that uh, your the nasal passages aren't broad enough really and um it's very difficult to breathe through the nose so people tend to to have their mouths open and breathe through the mouth and uh, this doesn't make a person bad but um it's definitely inconvenient because uh we were designed to breathe through our nose, and it's a very important function. Um, but it has a very simple basis, and um, if you're about to conceive children, or if you have young children which are growing rapidly, you can uh, have a big impact upon um, how they're going to grow by changing what they eat. Um, so that's one aspect. Um, another aspect is the, the shape of the jaw. There's there's something called um, overbite or underbite, and it's basically the the lower jaw kind of sticking out, and the the teeth not meshing together properly, and it can be you know over or under one way or the other, and it it creates if you look at the side profile of a person, it it either gives the idea that a person has a chin which is inward slightly or a chin which is sticking out, um, and this is another aspect connected with the the development of the jaw which is affected by the nutrition um you know bones need uh, calcium you know and um i think the best source of calcium is in milk even though that's much maligned nowadays for good reason because it's industrialized and homogenized and pasteurized but you know uh, raw milk but there needs to be the fat in the milk you know so we need a uh, high fat raw milk and um even better if there's plenty of uh, high quality butter you know you wouldn't believe the quantity of butter we eat and if you were to look at me i hope i'm a kind of picture of a health i don't have any kind of obesity problem even though i'm licking and uh, eating as much cream and butter as i can and uh, plenty of fried foods and lard and uh, and meat and some vegetables fermented and uh, some grains but uh, mostly those nutrient dense foods which i really enjoy but back to the shape of people's faces you know um there is this perception that uh, you know models female models and what beauty looks like and the image which is sold to young people of tall and skinny and um to be honest, after I read this book and I informed myself a little bit, my perception of a beautiful girl, a beautiful woman has completely changed, or a beautiful boy for that matter, a beautiful looking man has completely transformed and I have a terrible time finding somebody that that I, I find is, is beautiful, you know, because <laughs> we all like to look at beautiful objects or beautiful people, you know, it's it's... Um, <laughs> I'm going to sound very strange here, but it's definitely true. But um, my perception now of beauty is broad faces, you know, eyes which are wide apart, big fat noses, you know, and a child or an adult with their mouths closed, you know, because the noses work properly. And um, the beautiful thing is all of this is obtainable, even if the uh, the parents... 
or, or young young adolescents haven't had the benefit of the best food, once this knowledge is understood and uh, executed with some conscientiousness, and it takes some effort to source these foods and um, to to learn how to cook them, you know, and to to change our taste buds. But the the impact on uh, on the next generation and the transformation from having the tendency towards our children being taller than us towards the tendency of our children being shorter, you know, which and broader, is it can happen over one generation, you know, and you can see it in your in your young children, and um, and it can really demonstrate for you the the. The, the 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 truth in in this kind of nutritional wisdom which I'm trying to share here with you. Um, I think that I'm gonna try and make this a multi-part. Um, I was speaking to somebody just before I started recording this over on the Ogcast IRC, and he was interested very much in uh, permaculture and mentioned a few other things which I've been educating myself about for the last ten years since I've been interested in all of this. And uh, and I would like very much to uh, to talk about all of this a bit more and uh, to start discussing some of these things because uh, it it really is in the line of in the line of hacking and, and programming and uh, and it's so interesting and intriguing you know <laughs> so I look forward to that as well so there I think there will be some future episodes and uh, follow ups to this episode I hope there there was one interesting uh, chapter at the end of the book and uh, perhaps a little controversial but um, it was just a, a simple study of the the shapes of the faces of uh, convicts in in the US in those 1920s and 30s i'm not sure how serious or how far it was done but it was quite easy to observe when you start to to get an idea of these facial characteristics which lead to um, which are signs of degeneration and um, basically, you know, if you have a body which hasn't grown to its full potential, maybe you're sort of stooped over a little bit, your your head is down, you're you're sort of taller and thinner than you should be. Maybe your your nose is is more narrow and you have problems breathing. Maybe your eyes are closer together, and um, because your your face, your whole skeletal structure hasn't grown to the breadth it should grow. Your eyes don't work so well. All of these kind of physical characteristics or, or attributes of your body which have been formed throughout your life and uh, have been built from what you eat you know as well as of course the the lifestyle of that that person maybe he was kind of in a in a poor neighborhood maybe you know some inner city district and and had some unfortunate uh, background you know but um all of those those things uh, you can see them more prevalent in the the disadvantage in the criminal you know and and it's it is not to to poke fingers or anything but you know whereas the at least in those days the the middle class would have access to to better foods and um wouldn't have those kind of uh, degenerative attributes in their in their facial structures and their their skeletal and their and would which would affect them you know so um I hear sometimes these kind of charitable organizations talking about, you know, bringing new nutritional food out to people, you know, to, to help these underprivileged people. And then I hear mention of what food they bring out and I think, oh my God, you know, if you want to help the poor people or even the middle class people, you know, avoid all of the, 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 um, 
the dependencies on the modern, you know, interfering healthcare system, then uh, we need as a foundation nutritionally dense food, you know, and uh, I'm kind of, I've got over my frustration and anger at it all over the last few years, Um, but it makes me cringe a little bit, you know. So I'm hoping I've given um, a kind of summary to uh, some of Western A. Price's uh, discoveries, kind of um, describing as best as I can um, a little a little sneak peek into um, into what it might mean, what does a healthy person look like, what are the, the, the physical attributes, the body characteristics that that you that might be um, able to distinguish and give you an indication for the kind of food you've had. And, um, you know, even if you have a, a bad body shape, it's it's still beneficial to, to start eating um, nutritionally dense, um, nutrient-dense foods because, uh, you know, not only during those, you know, um, I think it's said every seven years our body, all the cells in our body are, are, are completely replaced. So it's not like our, our bodies are grown during childhood and adolescence and early youth and then you know we, we stop needing any nutritional <laughs> any nutritional food to keep, to to keep us strong and healthy the those requirements continue you know and uh, even in old age maybe they're actually higher or through perhaps menstruation and and uh, if you want to avoid osteoporosis osteo i think it's called osteoporosis the the uh, weakening of the bones especially in females in women then uh, then we need to eat the correct foods you know and uh, perhaps if you uh, i know it's 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 more complicated in the US because of the uh, the private health system and uh, the the cost of some of these uh, procedures or, or helps that they give to you and maybe especially for you people it is actually uh, more cost effective to um, to reconsider what you're eating now as to instead of you know saving up to pay for some medical health system and scheme for your for your later years, you know. Um, I personally don't uh, subscribe to any kind of uh, health system. I, I had to go to the the doctors a few years ago because I broke an arm. I got kicked by a horse very hard. Um, but until that point, I I hadn't been to a, a doctor's or anything, and I, I had trouble even believing that I broke my arm. To be honest, but maybe that's a separate story. And all of these things, I'm not saying that I'm the uh, the most healthy. I have uh, other problems connected with uh, with stress, you know, tension and, and what have you, because it can be uh, stressful trying to manage all of these things and uh, raising young children and what have you, you know. It's a challenge. But um, I hope this has been interesting, and uh, I would very much like to do a follow-up episode, and um, it would help me a great deal if... If if you've got any comments or if you'd like me to try and clarify anything, um, but once again, the book is called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, A Comparison of Primitive and Modern Diets and Their Effects. And of course, you can find that at Amazon, um, or maybe it might be uh, mentioned on my um, podcast blog, which is dudmanovi.cz, and uh, another great book, which I should just mention as well, is um, Sally Fallon's book, Nourishing Traditions, 
and the subtitle is The Cookbook That Challenges Politically, Politically Correct Nutrition and the Diet, Diet Dictocrats. And um, my wife is actually in the middle. She's almost halfway through of translating this book. It's over 700 pages. It has fascinating kind of sidebars um, at the edges of each page during the end of the book and uh, the middle parts are lots and lots of traditional healthy recipes um, and so it's an amazing cookbook with sort of related historical anecdotes supporting the recipes and sort of little tidbits that you would never imagine were possible and uh, the first quarter of the book describes all of the function of this nutrition um, it sort of um, justifies and explains all of these food types and why we should eat them it's, it's a fascinating book and I, I would highly recommend getting it and uh, if you speak the Czech language um, just wait until the spring and my wife will have it all uh, read it and we're going to try and uh, self-publish that <laughs> so I'm sure nobody here is uh, is Czech so that has no uh, effect at all anyway I would like to thank you for listening it's been almost an hour now and I, and I really should uh, finish so once again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, have a great week. And uh, this has been Durman from Durmanovi.cz for Hacker Public Radio, which I really enjoy. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.